Welcome to the Who to Thunk It podcast with Zeb. That's me. I'm your host, Zeb, and we're just going to jump right into this episode 19. A 31-man crew aboard the MV Primrose, a Chinese cargo ship, was adrift during harsh storms and unforgiving seas in what is now known as the Bay of Bengal in the Indian Ocean. The crew scrambled to assess their dire situation, but all attempts to right the ship in the storm were failing. In the dead of night, heavy rain and gale-force winds pelted the desperate crew. Without warning, the swaying ship came to a loud and forceful stop. They had hit something. It wasn't long before the crew realized their ship was taking on water. The crew prepared to sink to the bottom of the abyss, but that never happened. As dawn broke, the crew discovered the primrose had crashed into a coral reef that was surrounding a tropical island. The crew survived a few days, stranded on this mysterious island, until a lookout spotted something. He saw a group of people, a few hundred meters away, making their way towards the ship. The Primrose crew rejoiced at the thought of rescue, but their cheers soon faded once they noticed the group of men, 50 strong, were all carrying bows and arrows and spears. Once the armed group started sprinting and yelling, the Primrose crew knew they weren't being rescued, but attacked by island natives. And when did this shipwreck altercation occur? Occur? You might ask, <clears throat> they were armed with spears and bows. It could have been in any time period. But it was in 1981, August. MV Primrose, the MV stands for Motorized Vessel. This terribly unlucky crew happened to crash into the last island on the planet inhabited by uncontacted people. They were wielding bows and spears because they were, and still are, in the Stone Age. The captain of the Primrose sent out a distress radio transmission, quote, Wild men, estimate more than 50, carrying various homemade weapons, are making two or three wooden boats, worrying they will board us at sunset. All crew members' lives not guaranteed. Those wooden boats the captain were, was describing were being made by the natives so they could paddle out to the Primrose wreckage and board them. Included in the captain's distress call was a request for firearms, as the captain feared the natives would invade his ship and he wanted to be able to put up a fight. Strong waves prevented the natives' canoes from reaching the ship and deflected their arrows. Nearly a week later, the crew <clears throat> was evacuated by a civilian helicopter contracted by the Oil and Natural Gas Corporation with support from the Indian Naval Forces. Now, this island has always been 23 square miles of mystery, as far as we know. It is known as the North Sentinel Island. You may have heard about it in the news recently. But to be fair, North Sentinel Island was not completely uncontacted, as I said earlier, when the MV Primrose crashed into it. In 1876, an Indian merchant ship called the Nineveh crashed into North Sentinel, and the 106 surviving passengers and crew, after a few days being stranded on the beach, engaged in a standoff with the native Sentinelese, as the natives have been called. We have no idea what they call themselves. The standoff ended a few days later when the British Royal Navy rescued the 106 survivors. In, in true British fashion in 1876, uh, they claimed the island as their colonial territory. They did that a lot. Once the Royal Navy caught wind of this new island and called it their own, they sent Maurice Vidal Portman, a young naval officer and a self-proclaimed anthropologist, to survey the island. He took a large group of naval officers, convicts from a penal colony, and Adamanese trackers from the local islands. They ventured inland as soon as they got there and came across abandoned villages and a network of pathways. 
After days of searching, Portman's crew came across an elderly couple and four small kids. They captured all six of them and proceeded back to Port Blair. Soon after capture, all six of the Sentinelese became deathly ill. The elderly couple died just after arriving at Port Blair, and in a panic, Maurice Portman dropped the four kids off back at North Sentinel. He didn't want them to die, and he left them a little care package full of quote-on-quote gifts. The Sentinelese became so ill because they've never lived with other societies. They have no immunities to any diseases that our ancestors survived throughout the ages. In 1896, 20 years later, a convict escaped from the penal colony on Great Adaman Island on a makeshift raft and drifted across the North Sentinel Beach. His body was discovered by a search party some days later, with several arrows piercing all over his body and his throat cut. The party did not see any islanders. Richard Karnak Temple served as chief commissioner of the Adaman and Nicobar Islands from 1895 to 1904. He described the Sentinelese as, quote, a tribe which slays every stranger, however inoffensive on sight, whether a forgotten member of itself, <clears throat> of another Adamese tribe, or a complete foreigner, end quote. Jumping ahead now some 60 years, in 1967, T.N. Pandit, on behalf of the Anthropological Survey of India, visited the island. He was the first official anthropologist. He gathered tons of data on the Sentinelese between 1967 and 1991. Over the years, he visited many times and left gifts each time in the hope to establish some kind of welcoming contact. And sometimes his expeditions were met with waves of no hostility and friendliness almost. However, other visits were met with arrows and spears. You'll, you'll notice that's a recurring theme here. Pandit started to recognize distinct body languages from the islanders. You know, waves seemed to be friendly, but other gestures... Um, such as turning their backs and squatting in a, quote, defecating posture or even swaying of the penises, surely meant they were hostile, as they usually were followed by a hail of arrows and spears. In 1974, National Geographic decided they're going to throw in it, throw in their own two cents here. They partnered with Pandit and arm, some armed police to go on a three-day filmed expedition of North Sentinel Island. Their goal was to present as many gifts as, it, as necessary as they could establish a friendly contact. And you can look this up on YouTube. There are some clips, but here's some of the highlights. They tried coming head-on to the area of the island, frequented by the Sentinelese, right there on the main beach. As soon as their boat passed the coral reef, the Sentinelese, guess what they did? Launched arrows and spears at the boat. So they turned around. They didn't work. That didn't work, so they went to a more secluded beach on the island and let down a bunch of gifts all at once. A miniature plastic car, some coconuts, a live pig, nice, a doll, and aluminum cookware. Then the film crew got back in the boat and got a, just a couple yards offshore and waited close to see how their gifts would be received. Not long after, the Sentinelese showed up and, you guessed it, fired arrows and spears. One arrow stuck the film director right in the thigh. <laughs> the Sentinelese, who shot the director, the guy who shot him, sat down in some shade and proceeded to laugh with pride. <laughs> The others speared the, the pig to death and buried it in the sand with a doll and then picked the rest of the gifts up and just left into the jungle. <laughs> Thanks for the stuff, guys. Check you later. And on the 27th of January in 2006, we are now within 14 years of today's date, two Indian fishermen attempted to illegally harvest crabs near the island. They went to sleep on their boat the day before. They didn't respond to the warning calls from passing fishermen. They had no idea that when they went to sleep, their anchor was faulty and would lead to them washing up on the, sh on the island in the night. That night, 
The fishermen were killed by the Sentinelese. They were hacked to death with axes. One reporter says their bodies were placed on bamboo stakes on the beach facing out toward the sea, almost like a scarecrow, like, stop coming here. Three days later, an, an Indian Coast Guard helicopter went to retrieve the bodies, but the helicopter was attacked by Sentinelese armed with spears and arrows, and the mission was soon abandoned. The Sentinelese successfully fought off a helicopter. It wasn't an attack helicopter, to be fair, but it was a helicopter. <laughs> and there were contrasting views in local communities as to whether the Sentinelese ought to prosecute for the murders, but nothing ever happened. And how are you going to do that, really? They don't have any immunities. You try to prosecute them, they'll just die. Now, let's go over some of the geology, some of the just basic facts of the island itself. It's part of the Adaman Islands, and the it's an archipelago in the Bay of Bengal in the Indian Ocean. The Adaman and the Nicobar Islands Protection of Aboriginal Tribes Act of 1956 prohibits travel to the islands and any approach closer than five nautical miles in order to prevent the resident tribes people from contracting to disease which they have no immunity. The area is patrolled by the Indian Navy. In practice, Indian authorities recognize the islanders' desire to be left alone and restrict their role to remote monitoring. In other words, murder is not illegal on these islands. They don't. There's no policing. So they do what they want. Anthropologists believe the Sentinelese and the native people of the islands uh, around them are some of the first humans to venture out of Africa 60,000 years ago. That's what they believe. These people have had their own society, un, for the most part, undocumented for 60,000 years. Now, just try to imagine what seeing a red and green blinking, blinking light from a plane at night has done to their ideology. If they have a religion... How might it have been impacted by the first sight of the first plastic bottle washing ashore or the loud sound of a passing ship engine? What might they think of our satellites hurling through the sky, the night sky, unknown to them taking their pictures for the world to look up on the internet? It's, it's mind-boggling to me. What, I mean, they, it's insane. A guy named M.A. Mohammed, a scrap dealer who won a government contract to dismantle the Primrose, the wreck we talked about in the very beginning, and he, he won a contract to dismantle it and take salvage it, basically. And this now keep in mind, this ship is 300 feet away from the shoreline. And he went out and assembled a crew to do this job. He recorded friendly exchanges of fruit and small metal scraps with the Sentinelese, who often canoed to the workplace at low tide. Technically, right now, I work at home. My office is my bedroom due to COVID-19. I work in an office. But I used to work in construction during college as a roofer. And it's, for me, it's difficult to wrap my head around being hired to go out on a job on a remote island to salvage a wreckage ship for its metals, knowing full well some of the most hostile people on the planet were just miles away. Like sitting down on my lunch break, unwrapping a ham sandwich, and something catches the corner of my eye. Oh, it's a five foot three naked black guy known for attacking the very men who were aboard this ship I'm now salvaging. It's just, it's, it's mental to me. But M.A. Muhammad and his scrap dealer, they, uh, they, they, there is some quotes from M.A. Muhammad. After two days in, nearly, or in the early morning, when it was low tide, we saw three Sentinelese canoes with about a dozen men, about 50 feet away from the deck of, of the Primrose. We were skeptical and scared and had no other solution but to bring out our supply of bananas and show it to them to attract them and minimize any, any chance of hostility. They took the bananas and came up on board of the Primrose, and were frantically looking around for smaller pieces of metal scrap. They visited us regularly at least twice or thrice in a month while we worked at the site for 18 months. 18 months! 
They worked there. It's insanity to me. And they said he 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 won a uh, he won a prize. Like he had to put in like a raffle to get this job. Now, for the most recent and most covered story surrounding this island, the U.S. U.S. based Christian missionary organization All Nations in November of 2018, just two years ago, sent John Allen Chow, a 26 year old American, to spread the word of Jesus and live with the Sentinelese. He did this by bribing fishermen. He knew it was dangerous, and he knew it was illegal. In Chow's own words, quote, Lord, is this island Satan's last stronghold, where none have heard or even had the chance to hear your name? The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Don't retrieve my body. So he knew, he knew, that's a quote, do not retrieve my body. He knew what was at stake. November 15th was his first visit to the fisherman. Uh, the fisherman took him 500 meters away from the shore and warned him, do not go any closer, but he paddled a canoe closer and he was met with, you guessed it, arrows and spears. And so he promptly turned back. On another visit, Chow recorded that the islanders reacted to him with a mixture of amusement, bewilderment, and hostility. He attempted to sing worship songs to them, after which they often fell in silent. Other attempts to communicate ended with them bursting into laughter. They apparently communicated with, quote, lots of high-pitched sounds and gestures. Eventually, according to Chow's last letter, uh, when he tried to hand over fish and gifts, a boy shot a metal-headed arrow that pierced the Bible he was holding in front of his chest, after which he retreated again. And he's determined. He goes back on his final visit on the 17th of November. Chow instructed the fishermen to leave without him. The fishermen later saw the islanders dragging Chow's body, and the next day they saw his body on the shore. Police subsequently arrested seven fishermen for assisting Chow to get close to the restricted island. His death was treated as a murder, but there was no suggestion that the Sentinelese would be charged or prosecuted. And the U.S. government confirmed they're, they're not going to be pressing any charges here. They're not going to try to prosecute anyone. And the Indian government, uh, the officials, they made several attempts to recover Chow's body, but eventually abandoned it. It wasn't worth the risk. These people are considered uncontacted because of all the cultures that exist in the world today. This is the one we know the least about, but they're not truly uncontacted. They have been contacted many, many times and have repeatedly shown, with the exception of taking some extra food, they want to be left alone. I'm just as curious as the next guy as to what their worldview is, what their religion might be, how their families and homes and entire society is structured to be fascinating. But it's time to respect their privacy and leave them alone for good. I think Chow's death symbolizes that, if nothing else. As for the primrose, you can still see the wreckage from the satellite images. This episode's cover, the cover art, is a screenshot from Google Earth. What have the Sentinelese done about it? Their spears are now no longer tipped with stone, but with sharp, durable metal from the Primrose's hull. The North Sentinel Island is one of the world's last holdouts of actual non-society, you know, out of our society. I, I think, personally, it's time to leave them alone. That was episode 19, North Sentinel Island. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I had lots of fun learning about it. Like I said, it, it was interesting. It came into the news just two years ago, but I knew about it before then when pretty much no one had ever heard of it and it, it caught my attention. I thought I should definitely do an episode. This this island is incredibly fascinating and check it out on Google Earth. Like I said, the cover art is of the Primrose's wreckage, but I also left the coordinates on there 
on the uh, cover art. If you want to check it out, you can put that into Google Earth and check it out. So listen to my next episode next week. I come out with them every week. I love doing this podcast, and um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>